Amen. Thank you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. When she sings, make me want to sing, but it's not the same, I know. <laughs> Are you ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Well, let's pray and allow the Lord to take hold of our thoughts and our ways. Father, we just thank you that as we come before you today, we're open to receive what you have to speak to us. We're open to see what you have planned and what you want us to do uh, in these forthcoming days. And we just give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Guard my mouth. Speak the things that you want me to say to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. And all agreed said, Amen. Amen. Well, last week we talked about go ye into all the world. And what is the Greek translation of go ye? Anybody, any scholars, go ye? What, what would that mean in, in English, modern English? Go ye, yeah. <laughs> just, just go, you, you, you go, all right? <laughs> I'm, you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. See, <laughs> after Jesus resurrected from the dead, the disciples came and they worshiped him. And he said, that's all good. That's all good. But I need you to go, therefore, into all the world. Now, what kind of world is he talking about? He's talking about the world of finance, the world of sports, of politics. Wherever you are, you be a witness. You be a, a, a light to those that are around you. It doesn't mean you have to pack up your bags and go to Africa or Asia or wherever. He said, just go you as you go. Speak to them about me. Speak to them about the good things that I have for them, the good news of the gospel. Amen? See, because we're not saved just to go to Christian concerts. We're not saved just to go to Christian retreats and, and Christian, um, what, what else do we have? Conventions. We're, we're, we're saved to go into the world. See, we, we, we don't live at church. You know, after, you know, 1.30, we all go home. <laughs> Nobody lives here, but we live in our houses. We live at work. We live in our neighborhoods. Wherever we are, that's where we live. So it's not where you go to church. It's where do you go have church. Amen? Where do you go and spread the good news of the gospel? So we're saved to go ye. Now, you know, sometimes we get stopped. I don't know. You ever, you ever, you ever go to a stoplight, and uh, it's, it's red, and you're waiting there, and you do things just to kind of, um, you know, pass the time. Right? You, you, you like maybe look at yourself in the mirror, you do the radio, you go and look in the glove box, and then all of a sudden you hear a beep from behind. <laughs> right? And what are they trying to tell us? It's time to go. Right? It's not time to goof off, it's time to go. You know, now my wife and I, we, we've been traveling on the gold line going into Pasadena, the new gold line, and we're on the train, and it's kind of cool, and we have to rush to get there, and so she's always there, and she's waiting. She gets on the designated spot, and she's, you know, perfect at that. But myself, <laughs> I like to roam around a little bit, you know? <laughs> Try to get some money on my card and, you know, look at the schedule and look at the cameras that they have. And maybe there's somebody there that I hadn't seen for a while and they're saying, oh, hey, how you doing, Pastor? Good, good, good. How's Mary? She's fine. She's right over there. Yeah. And, and then the train will come and my wife will yell at me, babe, it's time to go. Okay. <laughs> so now married people can relate to this. I don't know if you know this or not, on average, men get ready probably about at least a half hour before women do, right? And in the women's defense, they have to do a lot of things. They got to do their hair, their clothes, their jewelry, their shoes, uh, makeup, all that stuff. 
But then when you start going back over the hair and the clothes, the, your husband is going to peep in and go, babe, it's time to go. <laughs> so we have to know that it's time to go. We, how long are we going to sit here and, and, and let the world fall to uh, evil and let them just you know, be caught up in their own ways and wind up going to hell? And we're sitting here in church. Oh, we're having a good old time. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And people are wasting away. Now, let's look at this scripture in John 4, 35 through 36. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. That was the saying in those days. You know, eh, take your time. We got plenty of time. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. He said, the, the fields are already white for harvest. We don't have a problem with the harvest. The harvest is there. What we have a problem with, with is the harvesters, the people that are supposed to go out, the workmen. They're not going out. That's us. We're, he says, you, you need to go get some fruit for not only this life, but eternal life. When you work for God, he, the Bible says, pays wages. Is that what it says there? You'll receive wages. I like that. I don't know about you. I like that. I like that reward system. We work for God. You know, you have a job, uh, you work on a job, and don't they have like performance ratings for you? They sit you down. They go, well, you've been doing a good job here. You haven't been doing such a good job there. And based on that, they give you what? Raises. They might give you a bonus. They might give you a promotion. If you came into the throne room of God and God sat you down and he graded you and rated you on your job performance, how would you do? How would you rate? How many people have you brought to the Lord? How many people have you prayed for? How many people have you reached out and touched with the love of God? Selah. Think about that, right? So let's see the field. The field, there's plenty. There's millions of people that need our attention and our help. Ten million people at least that we can go out and harvest. And let's see the harvester. Here, here he is. And is he harvesting? He's not doing nothing. He's just right in the middle of the field, just, you know, okay, well, yeah, they're, okay. And is that what we're doing? You know, when I go to work and they, a new, we get a new person in, and they, they talk to me about it. Well, so-and-so, she's, uh, you know, she came from another unit, and she's been with the company so and such a long time, and she's married, she has two kids, and all this other stuff. But you know what I always ask? What's the question I always ask? Is she saved? Is she a Christian? Does she know the Lord? Is that the only most, that's the most important thing. I only think there's two people, the people that are saved and the people that are about to be saved. That's, a, that's the way I look at it. Because I just hone in and I go, okay, you know, and I work on them. Sometimes, you know, like you say, sometimes it's a couple days, a couple months, a couple years. I know one guy I've been working on for like 10 years, you know. I'm getting ready to retire. I mean, I'm, I'm telling him, you know, it's getting close to the time. You need to. <laughs> I won't be with you much more. And now, wholly coincidentally, he lives right down the street, so he can come and visit. <laughs> he just moved, yeah. So we sing these songs at church. Wherever you go, I will follow, right? <laughs> Are we? <laughs> says, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? So we know they're saying, ready, set, go. 
See, go is an action word, right? It has motion. You do something. You leave someplace. You go somewhere. You depart from one place and you arrive at another place. You're going. You're moving. It's not stayed and settled and just plopped down. No, you have to have some kind of going in you. Praise God. Okay, let's look at this next scripture. And here's Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, In John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and do what? Bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Lord or ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. See, this is a secret. People don't know this. I've been praying. I've been praying for the Lord and he didn't give me anything. Well, are you working for him? Are you doing anything for him? Are you on his side? You know, he paid. If you're working for him, he's going to keep you employed and keep you going and keep you everything that is, uh, you're needed to have, he'll give to you. He says that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. It's too simple, isn't it? Let's look at this next slide. Okay, here's a, here's a, a fruitless tree. Here, this tree's been up for I don't know how many years, five, six years, and look how, many, how much fruit does it have on there? One orange. <laughs> You've been saved how long? 20 years? 30 years? You haven't prayed for anybody? You don't got anybody saved? You haven't done that? You didn't pray for healing? Nothing? One? What person? In 20 years? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just trying to shake you up a little bit, okay? <laughs> but let's see how it's supposed to look. You're supposed to have a lot of fruit. Yeah, I prayed for Margaret. I prayed for this lady. I prayed. Oh, they came to the Lord. Oh, it's so glorious. Oh, you should have a whole bunch of fruit, right? But we're, we're, we're one pastor used to say, L-A-Z-Y. <laughs> Too lazy to go out and get some fruit. You know, there's, you have fruit trees where the, it, the fruit is ripe and no one, no one goes out. Either they're lazy or they're tired or they don't want to climb. There's fruit out there. We just have to be open and let the Lord, you know, work in our behalf because he is our Lord. He's our master. He's our ruler. Now, <laughs> People collect a lot of things. Have you noticed that? They get caught up in collecting stamps and coins and baseball cards. I had a friend when I was growing up. He had 2,000 baseball cards. That's a lot of cards. But here's a lady right here. Imelda Marcos, you know? How many shoes does she own? Anyone want to guess? 2,000 is a good guess, but actually it's 3,000 shoes that she owned. I was reading about her. It's kind of interesting. You know, when you have that much money, you can do just about anything you want to do. And so she she had 3,000 shoes. Here's a guy. He has 7,000 cars. 7,000. He's called the Sultan of Brunei. And guess how he got his money? Take a wild guess. Oil, of course. Now, here's a list of his cars, and I don't want to make Sean jealous or anything, but <laughs> he's got 604 Rolls Royces, 604, 574 Mercedes Benzes, 452 Ferraris, 382 Bentleys, 209 BMWs, 179 Jaguars, 21 Lamborghinis. I just want one of them guys. You know? <laughs> he does have one SSC, which is the fastest known streetcar 
goes 269 miles an hour. It looks like a jet. So people save a lot of things. You know, my dad used to save things. I mean, he saved everything. He was 94 years old. We'd go over his house, and we'd look at stuff, and, Dad, this is my fourth-grade ruler. What are you doing with my ruler? <laughs> stuff that we would never even think about keeping. And he was detailed about it. He had, everything was in a box in the garage. And on the outside of the box was listed everything that was in the box. Not only that, it had a number. And so then he had a book that had the number with everything that was listed, right? He had, I mean, you had, Dad, do you have any bolts or nuts? Yeah, right here. There's box number three. Let's go right here, over here. It actually was almost like a museum. But guess what happened when he passed away? We took a little bit of what we needed, my sister and I. We rolled up three dumpsters and... Because it's not, it's not going to, you can't take it with you, right? I know in my house, when Sean comes over to help us clean out the garage, we have stuff that we've had as long as we've been married, you know, stuff that, you know, we, no, well, he he tries to throw it away, but my wife will run out of the house and go, no, 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 don't throw that away, no, don't throw that away. (laughs) That was a... (laughs) <laughs> something that we use for the drapes. Where are the drapes? I don't know, but that, if we ever find the drapes, we're going to need that, that little tie there. <laughs> My point is, we should be accumulating souls. We should have souls because that is what we take to heaven, the eternal souls of the people that we save. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's look at this next scripture. Galatians 2.9. Can you, you guys can relate to that, right, in your house? Galatians 2.9. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace had been given to them, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should what? Go to the Gentiles and they to the circum... They didn't give them just the right hand of fellowship. Oh, you just guys are so great. Oh, we just, you know, you're holy, you're righteous. No, you need to go. To the Gentiles. We need to go, right? Here's another go scripture. Mark 5, 18 through 19. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed... Oh, I like this story. You ever met any demon-possessed people? Don't look around. <laughs> Your kids are gone, so you're all right. <laughs> uh, what happened was... I'll, I'll fill you in on the story. Was called, was, he was called the maniac of Gadara. He was in the caves and he, in the tombs, and he was biting and scratching and pulling and yelling and screaming. They tried to chain him up, and he would pull it off. He just, you couldn't control him. He was demon-possessed. And so Jesus came and delivered him. And after Jesus delivered him, he wanted to go with him. He says, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him. Say begged him. begged him that he might be with him. And I thought, I read this story many times. I thought, Jesus, let him come with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be a disciple. He wants to help you out. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends 
and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. So he was turning the maniac into a missionary, right? He said, I want you to go out. I don't want you to hang with me. You got what you need from me. Now you need to go tell someone. Isn't that what we have to do? We have to go out and tell people. Oh, God was so good to me. God healed my hands. God, you know, gave me a job. God relieved me of situations. And, and let's see what happened here in Mark 7, or Mark 5. Oh, and he departed and began to proclaim. He didn't just go and go like, I don't know why Jesus didn't let me go with him. I thought he was like, a, you know, he got the 12 apostles. I could be number 13. I could do some things right here. He began to proclaim in Decapolis. Anybody know what Decapolis means? You've heard of Metropolis, right? There you go. Who said it? The scholar, yeah. Ten cities. There you go. Ten cities. He didn't go just to one city. He went to ten cities. He was moving in a groove, and he was telling them, hey, look, look, I'm healed. I'm, I'm, I'm whole right now. I'm not crazy anymore. Oh, the Lord came. He touched me. Oh, it felt so good. Is that the way we tell people about the Lord? Or we just say, you know, you really ought to serve the Lord because, you know, he's been good to me, and I think you ought to come. No, get excited about the Lord, right? He began to proclaim. Proclaim means to shout it out. Yes, I'm healed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In Decapolis, all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. Amen? You know, Apostle Paul, when he got saved, he didn't, have, he didn't go to school right away. All he did is he just told him, you know what? The Lord struck me. He touched me. He's Lord, the one that I was persecuting. Now I'm the, the one that I'm serving. You know, you don't have to wait until you have all this, the book knowledge. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the best looking. You don't have to be any of that. You don't have to be the best singer. You just have to tell him what the Lord has done for you, how he's changed your life, and say it with a little bit of conviction. Amen. You know, in the, the studies that we're, we're, we're doing about anger, we don't get angry enough about things. What if David would have, you know, when Goliath came, he would have said, oh, you know what, Goliath, that's not nice for you to say all those things. No, he got angry. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine, right? He, he, he got the rock and he knocked him down, right? We have to get angry about some things. Righteous indignation. And so uh, they all marveled. So let's see what happened. Two chapters later, just two chapters later, let's see what happened. Mark, oh, there's the demoniac, uh, the, the maniac of Gadara. They're all looking at him going like, Jesus, can you do anything with this guy? We've tried. Okay, let's see what happens here. Mark 7, 31 through 33. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of what? Decapolis. He's coming back by two chapters later to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him, and he took him aside from the who? There is now there's a multitude from one guy talking about how great Jesus was. Now there's a multitude wanting to get in on it. You know, one person can make a difference in a city, in a neighborhood, in, a, in your work area. My work area has changed since I've been there. People say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. They're not afraid to talk about the Lord, listen to Bibles. and, and it, 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 it's, People are getting saved a little bit at a time. You can, you can testify to that in your, in your work. You can make a change. You can make a difference. Okay? So here's, now here's where we're going to conclude with this little story. We're going to spend a little time on it. 
Are you ready to spend a little time on it? Yeah. Amen. Okay. Interesting story. It says here, Luke 15, 1 through 2, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him, hear Jesus, right? And the scribes and the Pharisees complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Let's look at the picture. There they are. Now, here's my question. Why is Jesus hanging around sinners? Why are sinners hanging around Jesus? What's going on here? I know when I was first saved, they said, separate yourself from the world. Don't have those friends that, bring, that drag you down, all that kind of stuff, right? Jesus is not threatened to be with sinners. He doesn't care what people think about him. He's not worried that their sin is going to get on him. He's secure in his knowing who he is and who he is with God, that he's able to go there and say, you're not going to influence me. I'm going to influence you. Amen? Amen. So if Jesus is our example, and he's the one that we're supposed to follow, shouldn't we have some sinners around us? Shouldn't we have some people that nobody wants to be with? They didn't want to be near those tax collectors. Those tax collectors were evil people. You know who they were. They were Jewish people that the Romans hired to take money from their own Jewish people. Not only that was bad, but then they would pocket the extra money for themselves. So the tax collectors and the sinners, what do you think sinners were doing? Same thing we sinners do now, right? <laughs> they smoke, they drink, they gossip, they talk, they tell bad jokes, right? You know them. <laughs> you know, we got pre- plenty of church folk. We got plenty of a pool of people that we know that serve the Lord. We need to have a little bit more of a pool of people that don't know the Lord so that we, we need some clients. We need some clientele. You can't get a person saved and saved and saved. You know, you, you, you got to go to somebody that's not saved and bring them to know the Lord. Now, here's the other thing. You ready? Are you, you getting this? I'm preaching hard for you guys, okay? Jesus didn't show his deity when he was with these tax collectors and sinners. He wasn't saying, I am the Son of God. You know where I came from. I saw, I, I beheld his glory. No, he didn't talk like that. He showed him his humanity. He said, what, what's, what's, what's bothering you? The woman at the well. You know, let me give you some water. So I don't have any water. He says, the water that I give you, you'll have, you know, rivers of living water flowing out of you. He talked to them. He could relate to the people. He found out their problems and their concerns and what they were, uh, what was bothering them, what their burdens were. And so he was, he made a difference. He talked to them like, you know, people. People talk to people. That's what we have to do. We have to listen to someone to find out what's going on in their lives so that we can provide an answer for them. But we, we got to let them get it out. You know, I took this, this class when I was younger. I was a real popular guy. I was a good-looking guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little early, so I'm... I'm saying this stuff. I've told my wife this, but when I was in fourth grade, I was, I was so cute, okay? We might have to cut this out. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, we used to play uh, baseball, and I was the catcher. 
And uh, everybody, our team was really good. I don't know why we were good, but we were good. But anyway, these eighth grade girls used to come and sit every day, three of them, and they go, they would call me cutie. Hey, cutie. Ooh, cutie. Come over here. Cutie, cutie. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm fourth grade. I mean, come on. What do I, I don't know nothing. In fact, we went to the carnival, and I've always wanted to be, my dad was a, a mechanic. I always wanted to be in an airplane with him. And so they had this thing, you know, this whirly bird airplane where you get in, you go upside down. And, and so I wanted to get in there with my dad. And the girls go, oh, come on, cutie, ride with us. I'm going, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. My dad says, go, 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 go ahead. No, dad, I want to be with you, dad. <laughs> well, as time progressed and as puberty took hold, <laughs> the cutie left. <laughs> and so now I needed a personality. <laughs> Because I didn't have one. I was, everybody just, you know, you know, gave me favor. So I started studying this book on It's Your Personality. And I started reading about it. And you know what it said? It says, don't, it's not your personality. It's listening to other people and finding out what they are interested in. Let them talk about themselves. And then you can, you know, insert what you need to say. But usually all you have to say, mm-hmm, I see, uh-huh. Okay, well, so then that means blah, 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 blah. And they go, yeah, that's right. You're such a good listener. You have such a good personality. <laughs> and that's what we have to do as Christians. We have to listen to people. We have to have a good you know, disposition to want to listen to them because it's, it's, our, it's our normality, it's our personality, it's our friendliness, it's our lifestyle that makes the difference. So we have to allow the Lord to use us. Now, one thing I noticed, because they said that Jesus was a friend of publicans and, and sinners, he was a friend to them. He was a, they said he's a wine-bibber and a gluttonous person because he hung around them. But he wasn't worried about that. He didn't care what people thought about him. He was comfortable. He was relaxed. And he was confident that where he was, he can make a difference in someone else's life, right? He wasn't worried that their sin is going to rub off on him. He was so secure. This is what we have to be. We have to be so secure, so delivered, so set free, so have so much purpose in our life, so confident that they're not going to rub, up on, rub off on us, but we're going to rub off on them. Amen. We're going to make the difference. The grace of God is so real in our lives that we can talk to people, we can be concerned about their cares, and we can help them so that we can make a difference in their life. Amen. So your challenge today is to go ye. It's time to go. It's time to go and bring people. There's plenty of seats. There's plenty of chairs here that need to be filled. There's plenty of people out there that need to know the good news of the Bible, right? I'm so glad that people came and, and rescued me. I was living my own life, doing my own thing. And uh, I know there's this, this girl that came to, you know, she found me at work and she said, you know... She had that Pollyanna kind of voice, you know. You know, the Lord really loves you. The Lord has great plans for you. I go, if you knew what plans I had for this weekend, you would, not, you would know that these are not the Lord's plans. <laughs> and she continued, continued to, to find me. And so I'd be at, at work, and, you know, she'd be coming. I'd have to find a pillar or something high, high behind, you know, where... But she was persistent. She kept saying, the Lord loves you. And it's funny, even though face-to-face -face I was saying, I don't want it, 
in my heart, I was saying, I want what's inside of her. That love, that joy, that peace that she has, I would like that myself. So when the time came when I really was ready to receive the Lord, I just said, Lord, I just want to be, I want you to take control over me. I want you to give me your plans. And so you don't know what you're doing when you're ministering to people. Even though they don't give you the, the, the time of day or they don't acknowledge you, it is affecting them. It is seeping down into their spirit. And so I want to encourage you to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the privilege and opportunity to worship you this way. We thank you that as we give you the glory, that we can go out with your power, your grace, and your might to make changes and differences in people so that they can be, uh, be changed so that they may know you and your power that's able to minister into their lives. So, Father, empower us right now by your precious Holy Spirit. I receive him now. I receive that power right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Amen.